We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to be reviewing the 1994 sports remake, Angels in the Outfield. You forget that it's a remake, but it is. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I definitely didn't know it was a remake. I also didn't know that I never saw this movie as a kid. Never? I was convinced, like, leading up to me actually watching the movie, I was like, oh, no, I remember seeing this movie. I remember all the angels doing all the baseball things. And then when I actually watched it with my wife, um, I'm just laughing at things that she is like, but you knew about this, right? I'm like, no, I don't remember any of this. And then I realized that I only saw the trailer a ton of times in 1995 when it was on VHS. Just like, watch Angels in the Outfield. And I just saw all these vivid scenes I remember. I'm like, oh, no, I just saw the trailer a ton of times. (laughs) This is my first time watching the movie. Oh, I was watching Taxi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're in the auto shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so this is the 1994 Disney remake of Angels in the Outfield. Uh, to give you a brief synopsis of the movie, the movie's about a boy. There it goes. Did it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, sorry. Um, the movie is about a boy uh, praying that the California Angels will win the pennant, uh, which is a word that I just heard for the first time um mistakenly believing that if they do he'll be reunited with his dirtbag dad so roger played by joseph gordon lovett baby face joseph gordon lovett um currently who is currently in foster care he asks his dad when there'll be a family again and the dad's like huh probably when the angels win the pennant and so then he's like oh great hey god can, can the angels win the pennant and then god's like yeah, man, I'll see why not. And so then, every game, the angels start showing up, and only he can see the angels. Meanwhile, you got Danny Glover, and he's over here like a really angry coach, and he's just really uh, too old for baseball. And he's like, I'm getting too old for this pitch. Ah, you huh? did it. Huh? You did it. Um, it only so took me two weeks to think of that. <laughs> yeah, and so basically, antics ensue heartwarming events happen and uh there it goes so that's the 94 um angels the original angels in the outfield uh came out in 1951 and if you get a chance go online search angels in the outfield 1951 trailer and i kid you not it literally opens up with someone uh an actress playing baseball and the movie says recognize this scene then you'll love this movie <laughs> like that oh, like from your life like recognize this scene from every day no like recognize this scene from another baseball movie oh and it, then it just has this woman who just isn't in the movie at all basically signing off on the film it's a magnificent trailer please watch it um but the original movie focused more on the disgruntled coach um so the original 1990 or 1951 film um, is about Pittsburgh Pirates uh, manager Duffy McGovern, <laughs> right? 
and he's being visited by invisible angels. So we never see the actual angels. We just hear the voice of them. And so the angels basically say, hey, we'll give your team miracles as long as you stop swearing and control your violent temper. And that's like that's the premise of the movie. So it's more about Danny Glover's character than it is about these kids. Like there's a B plot of like this girl who's like, yeah, I can see the angels. But there's like no backstory about her being in foster care or all these other things, from my understanding. I tried to do mm. as much research as I could without actually seeing the movie. But from my understanding, there's just uh, this girl from a. Oh, here it goes. She's at a Catholic orphanage and she can see the angels. And there's a woman reporter um, who's been covering the pirates who's like a. Or good- today we just call them reporters. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. I, it's, I have a 1951 reader. Uh, Are you one of those lady businessmen? <laughs> Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and um, and so she kind of acts as a love interest, but then there's also another character who's also like a jerk sports broadcaster who's trying to bring them down. So I can see where they kind of got that story from from the original, but they decided to say, but what if it was about the kid? And then it's also this other thing. Cause I was actually talking to uh, my buddy Jeffrey about this movie. And I was like, it's almost like Scrooge, but with baseball. Hmm. I hope that that's exactly how it was pitched. It's like, sir, you can't go in there. Give me a second. Scrooge, but with baseball, get this man a studio. Ghost of games past on first base. Ghost of the present, second base. Ghost of the future, third base. Ah, there it goes. And the only thing he's stealing is his life back. Uh, all right hollywood we are waiting we've given you gold we've given you everything you need <laughs> except for our contact info oh yeah yeah uh we are at flashback flicks and uh we're on, on twitter uh instagram and uh wherever rss feeds go for gold <laughs> yeah it's crazy that there's uh, like an original of this movie because i grew up with it all like all around me um well 94 i was a little kid when it came out so a lot of my memories are like watching it re-watching it i watched it a ton as a kid uh and so it wasn't until i watched it for this that i found out that there was an original and then i found out there was an original before that angels in the outfield where uh lot's wife turned around and looked at sodom and gomorrah <laughs> and turned into a pillar of salt that's actually what this is based on oh that yeah. makes a lot of sense. It was more like angels of death out in the field, ah, but they, yes. they cut it down. There it goes. To be more concise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, when this movie came out, when the remake came out in 1994, uh, it was pretty big hit. It got double its budget. It had $25 million budget because uh, angels are expensive, but it made over $50 million in box office. And it even inspired not one, but two sequels. One, Angels in the End Zone, came out uh, in 1997. It was a TV movie. It was it was pre-Disney Channel original movie. It was like a Wonderful World of Disney uh, movie. And it stars Matthew Lawrence. Yes. And Christopher Lloyd reprises his role as Al the Angel. Then, my favorite, my favorite, just from the casting, uh... Because three years later, they're like, hmm, Angels, Angels in the Outfield. It was really good. Um, I know they were, like, I was just rewatching it, and, and 
they're having the scene. They said, yeah, there are angels in the outfield and in the infield. And I thought, you know, we haven't made that movie yet. So they made Angels in the Infield, uh, starring Patrick Warburton uh, as Patrick like Patrick Warburton. All right, uh, so you tell me that there are angels in the uh, outfield. No, infield. Really We're good. doing infield this time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and David Allen Greer oh. as the as the head angel. And I've never wanted to see a movie more than. Just the combination of the title and those two humans. I want to see it. If you have seen it, um, let us know on Twitter what it was like. And please tell me it's as amazing as I think it is. So you said um, you watched this a lot growing up. Was there anything that you noticed this time around that you didn't notice last time? Basically everything. (laughs) Not really knowing uh, anything as a kid and then knowing a lot about life now really changed my view on this movie. Yeah, well, here's the biggest thing I saw uh, seeing this for the first time ever uh, is how sad the movie is, like how sad it is. Like it opens up yeah. and he's just like, oh, hey, hey, dad, when are you be family? Huh. Probably when the angels win a pennant. Then he just walks out. I'm like. It, that's not the basis of this movie, is it? Like it, and, and it is. I'm like, oh, this is so sad. Like this is just a kid not understanding what words mean. This is so sad. A little delusional. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this movie is just select scenes in another movie that Dolmet Maroney was filming. <laughs> and I think I totally missaid his name, Dermot Mulroney. There yeah. you go. It gets caught in in like right behind the teeth. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's in two scenes and he pops in, but seems to have this whole backstory <laughs> about like why he can't have the kid. Yeah, and he's got these quips and these phrases that he says from like he he's part of a different movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like when I first when I saw this movie, I was like, yeah, this is just gonna it's gonna be like Sandlot, but with angels in it, and it wasn't that. Um, it had like it was instead like this really like sad movie about the like these kids and this baseball team like they're them really being into baseball and all these other things happening to them um like when i was watching it with my wife she was like wait a second as a kid like i didn't remember any of these th-. like she saw she remembered the scenes but she's like they might have well just been saying gobbledygook um mm-hmm. up until um baseball things were happening um right. and as soon as they started showing the baseball team i'm like um I didn't know Adrian Brody had a younger brother. And <laughs> is that Matthew McConaughey? Like, uh, th- those were just two people I was not expecting to see at all. And Tony Danza. Like, I remember seeing the cover and seeing that, like, painting of him on the cover. But I, I don't think I ever recognized that that was Tony Danza, who barely is in the movie at all. Very little. Yeah. Very, very little. But I, man, I was just, I was so blown away by the cast that they had in there. Um, and Timothy Dum Dum Dugan from Captain America. What is he from again? He's the, he's the bombardier in Captain America. He's played uh, by Neil McDonough. McDonough? Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, 
one of the quintessential that guy. You're right. You know, yeah, he's in everything. But he's the the one with the amazing mustache in Captain America. You're absolutely right. And also an episode of Agent Carter. Huh. Wow. And had a prominent role on Boomtown. Any Boomtown fans out there, cut down in its prime. <laughs> Another interesting thing, just kind of going back into like the release of this film. So the movie came out like months before um, there was actually a strike in the uh, National Baseball League. Oh. Yeah. It was the, um, what was it? Or MLB. National Baseball League? Major League Baseball. Major, that's what the M stands for. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) National League Baseball. Oh, goodness. I I need to I need to learn sports ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, up for some sports ball? <laughs> Are you ready for some sports ball? Oh goodness! Yeah, so the movie was released less than a month before the 1994 um, Major League Baseball player strike, which forced the league to cancel the playoffs and the World Series. So the film features a fictional payoff playoff. That never would have been played out in real life. So it came out at a time where baseball was a hot commodity. So because there wasn't any baseball, people went to the theaters to see baseball. And uh, I think it worked in the movie's favor. I see. So they couldn't get the real thing. But this alternate reality World Series was being played. Yep. So another interesting thing that I uh, noticed in the movie was how they justified a lot of the things in the movie. Cause I thought it was going to be something like air bud in the sense where it's just like, Oh, well that dog just so happens to be like supernaturally good at basketball. Like I thought it was just going to be one of those things, but like based off of all the different things I saw, I thought it was just going to be things that were just very subtle. Like, like he hit, like I remember the baseball, like sh- or baseball bat shattering um, mm-hmm. and all the commercials or like, um, Al moving the pole back a little bit. I thought it was just like small things like this. But then after watching it, I'm just like, th- no, that's all of these things are disqualified. All of these, like the b- ball bouncing around so he could make a home run. I was like, that can't, that can't be, that can't count. That can't count, right? But well, what do I know? I could just called it national <laughs> baseball. So I would think somebody would be suspicious. <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean I mean it was the what 90s. they did with the steroids st- scandal yeah I mean it was nineties when it was like suddenly everybody's able to hit a thousand home runs in a season oh okay we're we're good with that we won't ask any questions <laughs> yeah I I I was really just surprised by all those different things and then <laughs> I think the thing that I was just like okay movie come on was at the end where they're like at the nationals and uh roger just as gordon Levitt's character is sitting in the dugout and he's like talking to al he's like hey you guys helping he's like oh no we we can't interfere with national championships i was like oh that's your cap that's it he's like yeah we can't interfere in the playoffs marty we can't interfere in the playoffs it's the 11th commandment (laughs) that's (laughs) that's right uh, but that, I mean, it was, I mean, overall, it was fun to watch and really interesting to actually see for the first time, like just little subtle, um, things like, um, his friend 
Um, what was his friend's name? I want to say Toby, but it was oh. JP. Grace. It was JP. <laughs> <laughs> Toby's my go-to name if I can't remember a name. I've called so many people Toby by accident. <laughs> oh, yeah, JP. JP's little, uh, it's like, hey, look, it's it's God's fingernail. I laughed so hard. Cause I've never heard that expression before. That's the quote uh, I most closely associate with this movie. Yeah, and then that super, it's like, oh, that's such a funny, that's a funny thing. And then Joseph Gordon-Lovett's character, just so down and out, there is no God. So, like, oh, that was a fast turnaround, hmm. Roger. Um, and he was really, I mean, understandably so, but it was just, like, such a sharp turn. Um, then you tell me, is... whose fingernails up there? <laughs> who? You tell me who? Science. Yeah, science's fingernail. <laughs> yeah, I I was really impressed and surprised, like, by what the, because really the movie's about family and believing in your ability to do things well um like the angels did play a role in like helping all the baseball players but what they really helped them to do is believe in themselves that was that was the thing and um and danny glover's character his whole i mean i feel like he's really the protagonist of the whole story because he changes Mm -hmm. um throughout and he grows and and he overcomes like his own ego and he learns like through these kids and their uh, intuition and into um, or sorry their influence in helping them win the game that they, they're able to help change his heart and I really love the scene at the end where he's just like what day is it boy it's just like oh, it's baseball day he's like give me the biggest cooked goose you can find um it's just great. I love that. I think the only other thing I want to talk about before we start going into the other parts of the show is how much I I just loved the uh, hot dogs, the radio, oh. the the announcer guy. Oh, Ranch Wilder! Oh my gosh, Ranch Wilder! Oh man, here's the thing: they don't make cartoon or they they don't make live action cartoon villains like him, <laughs> like they used to. Oh, so perfect. Like, they, they just drew him. They drew him and posted a picture of him on the wall. And then he turned and his head matched the cartoon exaggerated picture of him. I'm just like, oh, oh, man. Just just hands hands in the air. Or was it hats off? Phrases. Phrases to casting. Um, they just nailed it. Yeah. For a second, I had the idea that they drew the picture first and then had to cast someone that looked like the picture. It's you. You're the man, the man from my dreams. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just I just love that so much. I just saw the tagline for the movie. You got to believe. Oh, that I guess the second tagline. <laughs> you both better believe. Angels in the outfield. It could happen. <laughs> it's possible. I'd like to see that on other movies. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. It could happen. It could happen. Oh, <laughs> just got so much scarier. <laughs> or historical fiction stuff. Just be like, The Patriot. It did it happen. Could happen. <laughs> it could happen. Oh, wait. It did. It could have happened. It did. 
the um I would say the one thing that I didn't expect to not hold up as well over time was the CGI. Just like the angels. I could have sworn. Here's one thing I do vividly remember. One was that John Travolta was one of the angels. And two, so was Whoopi Goldberg. You're thinking of Uh, Michael and... No, I could just be thinking of Sister Act. Um, Yeah, those robes are very similar. Yeah, there is a very solid chance I thought of that then. Um, but yeah, I was I was pretty convinced that John Travolta was like one of the angels in there. And uh, I, I, he wasn't. I was just wrong about so many things. Oh. But yeah, the, um, the angels effects, like sometimes it almost hit like an uncanny valley. Like the angels would move in such a way that it would be like a little unsettling for me. Yeah. Oh, especially when Al's in the drink. Oh my gosh. He's like, don't drink me. I'm like, ha! Ah, what does this movie turn into? Why'd you it choose to be a drink? <laughs> Wonder Twins in the form of something edible. No! <laughs> no! Yeah, and just like, so they would have like this weird stop motion kind of stutter. Like they'd almost hit it, but then it, it was just a weird thing. But the, um, but I liked how they actually showed it. Mm-hmm. As like a departure from like just having angels being Sir does not appear in the show. Like the original. Um, yeah, like the original. I think that was a good direction to take. Um, but yeah, that, I think those are my initial reactions to the movie. I, I liked it. It was, I, I was really convinced I saw it. It, it wasn't even like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory where I was like, oh, I remember seeing the first half of this movie. I was just like, oh, I guess I've never actually seen this movie. Yeah, it's it's really touching, and um, being older now, all the family stuff really just ripped my heart out. I'm like, oh yeah. man, like when Miguel leaves and JP oh. takes it so hard, and it's like, oh Miguel, I remember yeah. hating you as a kid, but now I feel bad for you. Yeah, it was, it was just yeah, it was unexpectedly really really heartwarming because like when you think about it. Baseball plays backseat to the whole family story. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that that was interesting. It really surprised me. I'm like, I thought we were going to get more baseball. And then the end of the movie, it was like, hey, I bet you probably thought you were going to get more baseball. Here is 20 minutes straight of nothing but baseball. No angels, just baseball. I mean, the movie could have been anything that Dermot Mulroney said that he didn't think was going to happen. Like he looks over at some nerdy science teacher and be like, from where I'm sitting, when that guy becomes a drug kingpin, and then we could have just watched breaking bad. Like it's whatever he he says becomes the movie. Oh, I'm going to do it. Yes. He's just like, he's just a grifter going from town to town causing these antics (laughs) from where I'm sitting. Whenever the Avengers assemble. Oh. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey, when will we be a family? <laughs> when a dog plays baseball and football and basketball. It has puppies. And then it has a litter of puppies who also have an aficionado for sports and outer space. And then he just drives off. And then they enter a cooking competition called Taste Buds. <laughs> Oh, I think that's I think that's the one. I think that's the one that Disney just needs to end on top. <laughs> it's like Ratatouille meets Airbud 
taste buds. Apparently, these dogs are brilliant cooks. Or just spin off and do catatouille. <laughs> oh, it's just begging for it to be made. Uh, Disney will we'll wait for our checks. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we blast off into head cannon. My it head. Can happen. <laughs> Uh, Headcanon is a part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Um, first big piece of headcanon is that Al is the angel of death. Go on. Well, first off, it, it hit to the get to the end of the movie, and Al shows up to the playoffs and like, "Hey, Al, what you doing here?" If you're not going to be helping us out, he's like, oh, I'm just scouting that guy over there, Tony Dance's character. He's going to die in six months. Mm. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, what? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he smoked his whole life, so yeah, he's he's a goner. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And the and that was also another thing that they had in the original. Um, it was, uh, it, except Tony Dance's character was just an elderly an elderly baseball character that, that that's why he was going to pass he's just like he was just uh, old because he smoked general brand cigarettes and not lucky strike <laughs> yeah it was a really weird moving product placement moment so you want me uh, to smoke just the only this specific kind of cigarette okay i, I got it i got it mm-hmm. yeah and he called lucky strike for nothing uh but yeah i think he's an angel of death because based off of my um great uh, knowledge of Touched by an Angel reruns. Mm-hmm. I I know that only the Angel of Death knows who will die. Like other angels are sent on different missions to like help, like people like be guardian angels, like help them with their lives or help them out of certain circu- or <laughs> circumstances, situations, circumstances, um, <laughs> circumstances or situations. Um, but um, but yeah, so that's the thing. So Al came to visit this boy. At a very, like, he's just like, oh, like, it's almost like the prayer line was just like, hey, um, Al, I know you're going to scout this guy for the company baseball team, but there's actually a kid who's in that region. He actually wants him to make the pennant. Could you help him out? Sure. Two for one. I'll say why not. Yeah. And if I learned anything about the angel of death from watching Touched by an Angel, it's that the angel of death wears amazing turtleneck sweaters. Oh, yes. And when you wear those in fall, when it's baseball season, wrap-up time, World Series. So I agree with your headcanon. I concur. John Dye's portrayal of the angel of death from Touched by an Angel confirms (laughs) your headcanon. Boom. You're welcome. I watched a lot of Touched by an Angel as a kid. (laughs) Me too. A lot of it. When you walk down the road and you find some words and words. I was never good at memorizing songs. So. I will walk with you. Walk oh, with I you. walk you. Oh, when the sun don't need the child. Well, we're not reviewing every episode of Touched by an Angel, are we? <laughs> we're going to start a new. <laughs> we're going to start a new podcast called angels and the audio waves and it's just gonna be a review of every episode of touched by by an angel and where every uh, week we try to avoid the cease and desist from angels and airwaves 
Um, do you have any headcanon? So I really struggled with the headcanon this week. Um, but you couldn't think of anything more fantastical than angels playing baseball. <laughs> I'm sorry. It rises itself. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I have one idea that I'm working on. But I think I'm going to need the help of the audience to kind of help fill it out. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I could I could use everybody's help. My concept that I was trying to work on while watching it was that this is actually a purgatory situation. Um, that it's mm. the afterlife. And so that was spurred by the, one, knowing that uh, Tony Danza's character is going to move on to become an angel. Um, and the other one is the way that children are treated uh, within this world. Um, as far as I can tell, you never see a child that has both parents or a strong relationship with their actual parent. They're all kind of like alone or cared for by somebody else. And so um, I see Maggie, um, played by Brenda Fricker, or the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, she is the afterlife caretaker for children who have passed on too early, um, so they don't really have um, that kind of guidance in the afterlife except for um, this caretaker character. And if if you watch, she only appears in two areas. She appears in the house on the actual property, like she never crosses the property line. We never see her leave. The, uh, past the fence and she appears in uh the courtroom or the courthouse area um which if you've ever watched any kind of like metaphor for heaven and judgment there is there's always a courtroom scene so i think that's an extension of that motif of the heavenly realm um from a, a purgatory standpoint though i you have a bunch of these characters who are very flawed who are holding on to like these key character flaws, whether it be um, like the pride of Danny Glover's character, who also has clearly wrath, uh, like wrath all over the place. Yeah. Um, and uh, you have sloth with some of the characters as well. Gluttony with the pitcher for sure. Um, I know I've attached the seven deadly sins to a couple of different head cannons before. Uh, I'm not going to go through like each one of them, um, but there are just characters that show these traits and so uh, I think the angels are there um, not just to, like, help them, but to actually, like, help them move on from this purgatory-type area. Um, and so they recognize that Tony Danza is, like, he's ready to move on, and he's actually going to move out of this into another role um, within the afterlife kind of realm. Um, I, I have a hard time with it because I can't really justify the the father element of it um the closest i can come is that it's very clear that the dad is not going to be going to heaven um mm. like he'll be moving on to the hell area um but that children can't go to the hell area which is why they can't be together because they never really explain like well why why can't you like why and he's just like uh it's just it just can't happen it just can't happen because all kids go to heaven all kids go to heaven it's just a matter of time so like i I don't know i can't set the rules like they become 18 and they go to heaven like i don't know what that would be 
Um, also, none of this theologically sound in any way. This is just this is just headcanon. Um, but I, I I like toying with that idea because then that sets up Ranch Wilder to be the devil um, who is trying to trip up these people on their way to moving on. Um, and with the idea of like the devil having the silver tongue and he refers to himself as the voice of the angels um, ah. and uh, Satan himself having been a fallen angel. There's just like a lot of uh, that kind of iconography in there, um, which then sets up a really interesting dynamic of how he keeps trying to shut off the, the voice of his, uh, his co-host there, Wally. Um, and uh, Wally doesn't really speak until the end. Like Wally could flip the switch uh, very easily and and kind of get his voice out there or flip Ranch's switch off. Like he has that ability, um, but he's waiting for the right time. And it's it's kind of that dynamic that you see in the Old Testament of like God and Job and the devil and like that kind of how he tests him through that way and like could have interceded. Uh, but instead uh, lets it play out and then intercedes at the exact time when it's appropriate. This became like a weird Bible study kind of thing. But anyway, yeah. um, it's uh, those kinds of icons are there um, and woven throughout the the story towards like, okay, there could be something more. Wally may be a stretch, but I definitely think the thing with the kids could hold up. Um, the identifying the particular like sins in each one of the players uh, holds up as well and uh ranch wilder is just such a like villainous character in the way that he deals with everybody that it invites that comparison yeah also secondary headcanon this is in the same universe as field of dreams that's just where they go to practice oh nice no i like that that's solid the um because the interesting thing that i was reading up on is that in Angels in the Infield, so Dave Allen Greer plays Bob Burglar, but that's a side thing. So in Angels in the Infield, the Angels play the Crimson Devils, a fictional baseball team, um, and the actual devil appears what? and makes a deal with uh, one of the other players on the Crimson Devils. Um, and like that's like a major plot point because... If you're going to do a third Angels movie, uh, go big or go home. Right. So um, I think this is this also exists in that same realm of like, you know, the devil went to Georgia kind of thing. Like, mm. I feel like it's more of uh, that sort of thing. Like these, you know, these angels and demons, these figures are they're going out and like looking to redeem these different souls. Um, just throughout, like in the same realm of like, you know, Christmas Carol, like all these angels show up for Scrooge's life so that he can make a better impact on the world and do these different things. Cause they're like saying, listen, like we're going to show you the error of your ways so that you can become a better person. And so I think that, um, that's part of that headcanon that they kind of exist in that world where like people are visited by, um ghosts angels devils the, the whole things but in kind of like an effort to redeem their souls that and um god hates basketball mm -hmm. he, he he was in the infield and outfield 
and end zone nowhere on the court. Well, Angels from behind the three-point line doesn't really have <laughs> a great ring to it. Uh, that's good. I'd like to see Angels in the penalty box. Oh my gosh, that would actually be. I they actually did make it. It's called Mighty Ducks. Ooh, nailed it, nailed it. it. Yeah. So another fun thing. Uh, Disney like owned the Angels or were like founding owners of the Angels uh, back in the day. I don't know if they still are, but the Anaheim Angels. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. That's where Disneyland is. In Angel Land, Angel Lost. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're not in Los Angeles. The Angels are down in Anaheim. And Dodgers are in L.A. Which is why it always confused me why the umps were wearing like the reverse L.A. hats. Because they're in Anaheim. And there's also a Kansas City Royals banner on the back of all of their like outfield shots. So I was like, I have no idea where this takes place. <laughs> I, think it, I think it fits your, uh, your purgatory. Uh, head cannon. Yes, because everyone knows the afterlife is just vaguely Californian. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. So now we're going to uh, go into our recast and remake portion of the show where we talk about if this movie were to be remade today, who would we cast and what would be the storyline. So my quick thing for this is um, I feel like this movie like has a lot of room to be remade today, especially with... Um, modern day technology and the special effects department i think that that could be super super well done but i would also love to see them do some kind of spinoff with some other sport like Mm. i just want to see how far they can take the franchise like i want them to airbud this franchise like angels on the uh, in the lane and it's like a bowling movie um or angels in the in the in, in the racket, or seraphims in the swimming pool. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, different things like that. I would love for it to be like an Olympic thing. Just like, oh yeah, if you can compete on all these things, you'll go to the Olympics. Like, ah, oh, we can't help you in the Olympics, Michael Phelps. You have to make <laughs> it all your own. From where I'm sitting, when Michael Phelps wins. <laughs> 30 gold medals. <laughs> yes. I I would love for um, JP to be played by Keenan Thompson. Oh. Like adult Keenan Thompson. Um, but just superimpose his head on a tiny little kid's body. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so scary. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the exact same role, reprising his role as Roger. Actually, no, I, I would love that if he actually came back and played um, the role of Danny Glover's character. I think oh, that, that would good. actually be uh, Knox, George Knox. I would, I think that would be really fun. And then, um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Take that back. I want Donald Glover. I want Donald Glover's head on the tiny little kid's body. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I want Donald Glover's head on a tiny little kid's body. <laughs> I want him to play like JP. Like I just want him to play like a little. Like I, I just want them to to do that. Just like to superimpose Donald Glover's head. <laughs> oh, or even better, um, 
I'm going to say Lucas from um, Stranger Things. I thought you were going to say Modern Family. <laughs> <laughs> and him too. Lucas. Lucas. Uh, Lucas as JP and uh, Luke from Modern Family as Roger. It writes itself. Oh, and also I want um, I want John Travolta as an angel this time because that's how I remembered it. So <laughs> make it so. I would like to see Tony Danza as the head angel. Oh, that'd be great. I think that'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be great. And Adrian Brody as the organ player for <laughs> Ballpark. Yeah, I would love for them to uh, just get yeah, get him, get uh, Matthew McConaughey back, Adrian Brody, but just to just make cameos throughout. Just like, huh, well, that's what I call baseball or something like that. <laughs> Obviously, that would be Adrian Brody. Matthew McConaughey plays like a guy that just put painted a letter on his chest so he can be shirtless <laughs> he's yep. shirtless in this i can't believe it he was shirtless before <laughs> it was like a thing yep <laughs> yeah if i were to go back and cast him like cast in the 90s um i would probably say so in the sequel um angels in the end zone the actor who plays simon from seventh heaven um is the kid who can see the angels and matthew lawrence is his bigger brother and I think that would have been perfect casting um, for earlier, or although he might have been a little too young in 94. Yeah, that would have been good. But Jonathan Taylor Thomas, was he just too busy or what? Because that, that, that would have been perfect. It's on top of the world. I want to know why Jonathan Taylor Thomas isn't like the second Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> like, <laughs> why isn't he still around doing things, being Bruce Willis? <laughs> well, he... He oh my gosh no he was he was too busy doing the Lion King it came out the same year oh uh, yeah I mean he he has made a couple of appearances in the uh, the show Last Man Standing which is um, Tim the Toolman Taylor's new series that uh, ended one new series it ended uh, two, twenty words it ended in two thousand five but he's he's done some television acting he was in an episode of Smallville. Uh, voice someone in the simpsons and i'm going from 2000s onward um he was in an episode of veronica mars and his most recent project was in uh, four episodes of last man standing from 2013 to 2015 mm. i want to see him in a christopher nolan film where he goes actually try my real name edward nigma uh, oh my goodness yes uh, okay angels in the outfield but a horror movie uh <laughs> rise of the child actors <laughs> Uh, I yes. would like to see the sequel Demons in the Dugout. Oh, yeah. And Disney would make it so Tim Burton would have the project. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, there it goes. From where I'm sitting, when the demons walk the earth and play <laughs> recreational sports professionally. Okay, Dad. <laughs> his eyes roll backwards. His like, bats just fly out of his mouth. You just had to say never. <laughs> What kind of mileage you get on that thing? All right, just go, go. See you never. Oh, goodness. All right, so um, now we're going to uh, wrap up this review with our reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, why do you recommend this movie that you have definitely seen before? I recommend it because it reinforces my own personal headcanon that Dermot Mulroney made a deal with the devil to stay young forever. <laughs> 
Uh, Guy never changed. Yeah. Dorian Gray, just saying. <laughs> Uh, but it is really sweet, and uh, it's a great family movie. Uh, tons of cameos, uh, and it's it's nothing. Well, I was gonna say it's not too heavy, but it is. It's it actually has some meat to it, um, but balances it out with some really fun parts. Like I I laughed out loud at the point where uh, the helper that has to like stick with him all the time. Yes. Um, who was in everything 90s and now yeah. is in nothing. Um, like that uh, when that guy sat down on on the, the nachos, on, on the like, nachos, I'm saving and, it for later. Yeah. And they go, sorry. And then laugh. <laughs> I laughed super loud. And so it's moments like that that I think uh, really make it worth seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Taylor Negron. He, he played actually- David. Yeah, he actually passed away last year and has um, there's a really great episode of the web series called No Small Parts that we will link in the description that is so worth watching because this guy was everywhere. And it's uh, I remembered that he was in this when I watched that episode. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's an angel in the outfield. Well, Ricky, <laughs> I feel really bad for saying now he's in nothing because I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why he's in nothing. Um, he's got a crazy IMDb list. Dude's been active since like the seventies. It's insane. Yep, there it is. Nineteen fifty-seven to two thousand fifteen. Yeah, it's a really great episode. Um, I would recommend this movie, um, especially if you've never seen it, uh, like me, because um, it's well. Let me say this. <laughs> okay, I would recommend this movie. If you are looking for a non-Christmas Christmas Carol, because that's basically <laughs> how I see this movie, um, it's great to see so many of these characters, well, actors, they're human beings, um, so many of these actors who we now see so prominently in Hollywood as like a certain type uh, and their beginnings, because like Angels in the Outfield is one of the first um major projects that uh Matthew McConaughey worked on and hmm. um it's 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 cool to see those actors in in their younger roles and it's just you just get so many of them mm-hmm. um and it's also just a really fun movie to look at when Disney cuz like I feel like we are very used to the style of Disney movies that Disney can make um, and I think it's something I think this is a movie points very well to the kinds of movies that Disney can make when they aren't done this in the typical Disney formula. I think that we're used to, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. um, I always forget that, like, Disney not only makes family films, but they also make films that kind of have like, like, this is a Disney movie and they had like swearing in it. I'm like, uh, what? Like, and it's. It's cool to see that Disney, the brand, can still expand into those territories and still have elements of Disney while also surprising you of elements that you wouldn't typically associate with Disney. So I think that that's another reason why I'd recommend it. Um, Also, if you're looking for the prequel to uh, The Dark Knight Rises, um, here it is. Here it is. (laughs) 
So yeah, stuck a headcanon into my reasons to recommend. I know You're it. welcome. I know it. You're welcome. He doesn't have any parents. Doesn't have any parents. What happened? Who she knows? Tried my real name. <laughs> Roger. Oh, <laughs> oh. I see. All right, and that is our review of Angels in the Outfield. Let us know what you remember of Angels in the Outfield on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And be sure to leave us a review telling us what you thought of this review on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review uh, telling us rating this podcast with a sports term. Um, I, I don't know many of them. We won't know the difference. <laughs> So if if we if you give us a low batting average, we won't know it, uh, but we'll know that you listen to it, so that will matter. <laughs> I'd also be curious to hear what movie you would like to see, like what sport you'd like to see Angels be a part of oh, yeah. in a movie, and the name of that movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah like we did the- Seraphim's in the swim lane, but or the swimming pool. But I I want to I want to hear what you guys have. Oh, absolutely. We would love that. And uh, and also be sure to follow us on Instagram, where we like to tease out what movie we will be reviewing next time, right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind.